Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stories, fiction stories, tend to have an agenda. They're not just written words, but they're words that mean something, that have agendas. And sometimes they even have hidden agendas. When Victor Hugo sat down to pen his great work, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, he wasn't just telling you a story about a deformed young man. In fact, he was telling you a story about the depth of love and the tragedy of death. He also, though, hid in there amongst the pages a pretty lengthy discourse on why the church, he felt at the time, needed to change, needed to adjust, needed to tweak what it was trying to do. When Ayn Rand, lover or hater, penned her great work, When Atlas Shrugged, She wasn't just writing a book about a missing person named John Galt, but in fact wrote pretty much a political discourse on what she felt were the problems with a lot of politics of the day, and in fact, some would argue of the day today. The problems with the elite class taking advantage of those that work, those that create, those that do. Yes, she had an agenda that she was trying to tease out in her works. In our scripture lesson today, in our gospel lesson, we also have kind of an agenda. Maybe even we might even call it a hidden agenda, but it's not that hidden. Jesus wants you to know. He wants you to know what's going on in the text. But even before that, he gives you clues in the previous text. You see, have you, did you notice that our text goes from verse 1 through 3 and then jumps all the way to verse 11? Well, what's in between there are two other parables, the lost sheep and the lost coin. In both parables, something is lost and then it is found. And Jesus tells us that all of heaven rejoices when a sinner who is lost turns from his sin and is found. Yes, there is an agenda going on here. And then we get to our text, the prodigal son. It's a story that for many of us, we've heard many, many times. We maybe heard it in Bible class. We've heard it at church. We've talked about it. We've discussed it. The prodigal son. The story where a son goes up to his father and pretty much asks him to die. Father, I want your inheritance. I want what I would normally get if you were dead. The father, amazingly, is quite giving. He tallies it all up. He gives the son what he would normally get if he, his father, had died. And he goes off and he squanders it. The text tells us reckless living. It gets so bad that he ends up feeding pigs, something no good Jewish person would ever do. But that's what he does. And so finally, he wise up. He says, you know what, the servants in my father's house, they don't even have it this bad. I'm going to go there. And so he heads there. And what does he find? He finds a father with open arms, ready to greet him, ready to give him mercy, and ready to give him grace. What a great message. What a good story. Kind of heartwarming. It really is. And what a great message for us this day to know that our Lord is there with open arms. Our Lord is there with grace and mercy so willing and ready to give it to us when we turn from our sin, when we repent. But you see, that's not the end of the story, is it? The story actually kind of keeps going. Instead, we have this other brother, 
the other brother that refuses to go in, that refuses to go into the celebration, that refuses to participate because of his brother. And you see, part of this, though, we have to put it into the context. You see, what was going on is Jesus was walking and talking and eating with sinners. That is, people that had a life of sin. But it also needs to be clarified. These people knew that they had a life of sin, and they were turning from their sin. They were repenting of their sin. And our Lord was willing to walk and talk with them. But there were those there that were in the temple, that were, dare I say, in charge. And they didn't want it. No, these people had gone too far. They weren't welcome back. Once you go too far, once there's a line and you cross it, you don't get to come back. You don't get to come back into the temple, into the life of the church. You don't get that. No, you're done. And so, like the brother, they refused to enter into the feast. They refused. And the story is about how our Heavenly Father acts differently than what they acted like. Our Heavenly Father is there when you repent of your sins. When you turn from your evil ways, our Heavenly Father is there with open arms. But yet, there's more there, too. There's more there. And it's one of those things where where I think part of the reason that we miss it is because we don't really talk about it much. Oh, we mention it here and there in passing. We, we talk about it in little glimpses here and there, but we don't really ever focus on it. I speak, of course, specifically of heaven and hell. Both are represented toward the end of this text. Heaven and hell. But again, we don't really talk about it much. All too often we get confused sometimes, even when we talk about it, and we get so, we get so distracted that what we end up talking about is this in-between time. That is to say, when we die, our spirit goes up to Jesus. That's what Paul tells us. Paul says that if I die, my soul goes to be with my Lord. But we don't really have a whole lot of information of the in-between time. You see, the Bible, our creeds, what we confess, talks a lot about the resurrection of the dead talks a lot about what will happen when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returns and we are resurrected from the dead, when our soul and our body are brought back together again and we are taken to be with our Lord for all of eternity. It talks a lot about that, but not about that in-between time. But you see, that's what we have here. Not the in-between time, but we have a discussion of heaven. You see, the sun comes back. He is brought back with open arms, and there is, there is a feast. There is a celebration. You see, one thing I've been told over the years is that heaven is going to be like a nonstop church service. And ladies and gentlemen, I love church, but a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, nonstop church service, that does not sound good to me. But part of the problem is, is we need to realize is that church is because of the fall of Adam and Eve. Because Adam and Eve sinned, we need to have a special place where we gather to receive the forgiveness of sins, to receive the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be reminded and come together to worship Him. Adam and Eve, especially before the fall, they didn't need that. They worshiped the Lord in all that they did. Because you see, this is ultimately what heaven is pointed out to us. 
When we go to the book of Revelation and when we read throughout all the other scriptures, we're talked about, we, we see this image of a new heavens and a new earth, a place where we are, and all the fingers point back to a place kind of like the Garden of Eden. That is to say, a place where we get up, we go, we do things. Dare I say, we might even work. But we work to the glory of the Lord and in the joy of the Lord, and we rejoice in what we do. It just becomes part of who we are what we have been called to be. Yes, this is the image of heaven. And oh, there's also a celebration, a joy as we sit in the presence of our Lord. In fact, even when we talk about Holy Communion, have you ever noticed how we say it is a foretaste of the feast to come? Yes, that little wafer and that little wine, it's not much, but it's a foretaste. It's a foretaste of the great feast to come and the Lamb and His kingdom. But you know, heaven isn't the only thing that's mentioned there. We also see at least a glimpse of hell. The brother refuses to go in. Refuses to go into the celebration. Refuses to go into the light. In fact, he doubles down and forces the father to come out to him. To talk to him. In the Old Testament, hell all too often is described as being away from the tabernacle or away from the temple. That is to say that there in the tabernacle and in the temple is the very presence of God, the glory of God. And the farther away that you get, the further away you get. And in fact, it talks about, it talks about hell being in the great darkness, the wilderness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And again, that idea of darkness comes from the idea that the light comes from the presence of God. But I want you to notice something else. The feast is there. The feast is there. The other brother could go into the feast, but he refuses. To put it another way, he refuses to repent of his sin. He clings to his sin. He holds to his sin and he refuses to turn from it. It is not God who demands that he depart. All too often we think of it as if it's some great punishment. God loves you. He loves everyone. But there are those that refuse him. There are those that would rather choose their sin over their heavenly father. They refuse to turn for their sin because if they were to ever turn from their sin the working of the Holy Spirit, if they ever turned, well, they would find a heavenly Father filled with grace and mercy, with open arms, ready to receive them, and all of it through the very work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, amen.